Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. <laughs> hey, it's Ron. Sydney's back there laughing. Uh, we've got a story today coming from seamstress and disruptor extraordinaire Ray Moore. She told this story live on May 15th, 2019 at Bumpboard Theater. <laughs> the theme of the evening was Alter Egos. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought I'd be the only person talking about Christianity tonight. <laughs> In the Moore family, our our whole identity was Christianity, but even within the bounds of the family, nobody Christianed harder than I did. And if I'd known I was gonna have such stiff competition, I would have thought of better examples of that. I was like, I didn't just sing in the church, I like taught people to sing in the church, we already got one of those. I didn't just attend Sunday, ser- Sunday school, but I taught Sunday school, starting at 16, so that's something. Um, <laughs> probably if we'd all known each other at the time, we would have been neck and neck, but at the time, I was the Christian no one could keep up with. <laughs> My big sister, we are both teenagers, her bedroom walls were covered with... Um, Freddie Prince Jr. probably at the time, <laughs> while mine were covered with the cutout pages of this enormous photography book entitled Images of Christ Throughout the History of Art. Like 50 of them. Like it was horrifying in there. They were so big. <laughs> I was the Christian no one could keep up with, and it was because I was more afraid than anyone else. Not of hell. That I might not believe in this shit. And then by extension, hell, because if it's real and you don't believe in it, There was a small, like the secret part of me that was filled with doubt. And in the Christian world, I mean, doubt is the exact opposite of faith. That's the most threatening thing to your survival there could possibly be. And I mean, this bitch was subversive and combative and always poking holes in all our doctrines. She scared the shit out of me. She was a fucking bully. Much like the Hulk if his alter ego had been a blasphemer. (laughs) I couldn't quite choke her out entirely, but I could keep her trapped in a box, and I could live my Christian self so hard that she'll either quit someday, or at least, you know, it'll cancel it out on my, like, eternal score sheet. (laughs) So, that's basically the explanation of how after 18 years of homeschooling and Sunday schooling, I chose to go to Southern Wesleyan University in rural South Carolina for college. And this place was the pinnacle of keeping up appearances. You could get caught drinking alcohol while legally old enough, not on campus, not driving, not even drunk, and get expelled. Zero tolerance policy for drinking. If you were not married, you were required to live on campus in gender-segregated student housing so that they could monitor you. And there was no classes at all on Wednesday mornings because we had a mandatory chapel service on Wednesday mornings in addition to our normal Sunday morning services. And when I say mandatory service, I mean you could get a 4.0 in every course for 100% of your time in college and not go to chapel, and you did not graduate. (laughs) So if ever there was a place where I could squelch that bitch out once and for all, this was it. And it worked. Good evening and good night. Just kidding. Why why would I be here if if that plan had been successful? (laughs) So... One day, um, I was in my mandatory biblical theology class. And by mandatory, I mean that this is a graded course weighted exactly as heavily 
in my GPA as algebra. And our professor was lecturing about what the scripture says about the respect due to your religious authority figures. And somebody in the class was like, okay, but what about when these authority figures are wrong? And she was like, well, that depends. What do you mean? Can you give me an example? And they were like, well, um, what about our dancing policy? I'm sorry, did I fail to mention that at this institution of higher education, which I attended in the year 2008, there was a zero tolerance policy on dancing. I'm not making this up. It's probably still like that there. I'm talking when we had our Christmas formals, they deliberately overfilled the banquet hall with more tables than the number of people who were coming so there wouldn't be enough open floor space. This, this would be too much. Someone might start shit. Like, they did not cut any corners here. So this person was like, I mean, our administration talks about this policy as if it's like a tenant of our belief system, and it's, it's actually not. And the professor was like, who says that's wrong? And he was like, well, I mean, it's kind of lying, and also it makes us look really bad. I mean, how petty does a god have to be to care about something like that? And she said, well, God's all-knowing. He never tires. He has room to care about everything. This whole conversation, that secret bitch, was just clawing at her box. And I'm like, not you, never you. I will handle this. But it's bothering me too. And I was like, okay, all right, hi. Um, so we're all adults here, okay? I mean, look at our own sacred texts. 50% of the stories King David is in, he's dancing through them. And we revere him as a man after God's own heart, someone to aspire to. In the Psalms, God promises to turn your mourning into dancing. In the book of Revelation, he promises that we'll be dancing for joy in heaven. I mean, aside from the fact that it's objectively stupid, which it is objectively stupid, I mean, can you just, you don't have to speak on behalf of our religion or this institution even, but just as a person, can you please just admit that it is not only dumb, but blatantly not supported by our own doctrines, human to human, can you just admit that? And she looked at me, and she was like, no. And she went back to her lecture. And I don't know what it was. After all the millions of ridiculous, stupid conversations I'd been in in the course of my entire life, after the millions of ridiculous, fake lies of journal entries I'd written myself about conversations with my good friend God, but <laughs> maybe it was like she was growing stronger in captivity. Maybe it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know, but that bitch broke the fuck out of box and she was like stupid oh my god it's so stupid it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life and I was fuming all day and all night and the next morning I was still so blind angry I wasn't even fighting it anymore I just whipped up my computer and I was like have at a bitch you just dump out whatever the fuck you want to say and what came out was not that mean and actually really funny By the way, I'm 30. I asked them to mention that in my intro so you know that this wasn't like three weeks ago or something. <laughs> Notice, subheading, dancing prohibition to be more forcibly enforced. As an urgent matter of public safety, parenthesis, non-physical, 
The administration reminds you that, per the terms of spiritual conduct which each of you signed upon acceptance to this institution, any behavior which is or may be construed to be dancing is banned both on and off university grounds. To that end, we ask that you henceforth disregard any and all references to revered biblical figures being compelled by God himself to sing, dance, and leap through the streets as an act of worship, as well as any and all advocacy of song and dance as forms of religious expression, both in scripture and in the lyrics of our own chapel worship songs, <laughs> the singing of which remains mandatory. While we are aware of the inclination to sway or move in moments of divine inspiration or upon the hearing of, quote, pleasurable music and sounds, we are also aware of the inevitable degeneration of souls whose bodies move too rhythmically. <laughs> the blood of God's only Son was enough to cleanse you from eternal damnation, but we do not recommend you test its limits in this manner. <laughs> Together in salvation and stillness, yours truly. She chose a name for herself. <laughs> and it was the smallest thing, but it was so funny to me. I was like, fuck it, no one's gonna notice anyway. So I printed out like a dozen of them, and I can't overemphasize how small this school was. So that was plenty enough to put on every prominent corkboard in all the buildings in our campus. More than enough. And that legitimately would have been the end of it. I would have totally forgot I even made that joke if it hadn't been for the fact that three hours later, every single one was missing. They tore them all down. And I was like, oh, come on. You can't even laugh about it for five minutes. So I went home, I printed them out, and I put them all back up again. <laughs> and then when I was on my way to dinner, I passed a poll. I knew I put one on, and it wasn't there. And so I detoured to the post office. It wasn't on that cork board either. Checked every single spot. All gone. And I was, I don't know what it was, but it broke me. I was like, this, this is the hill you're willing to die on. Well, fuck you, I'm taking you to war over this. And so I didn't even go to dinner. I was at the library making photocopies, hundreds of photocopies. I went building to building to the top of every stairwell and I just made it rain the whole way down and I went to every single elevator in every single building and threw a fistful in and then just sent it to another floor and I walked away. <laughs> And by Monday, like, the bitch is still in control, and I'm, like, deranged, just eating my f slop in the cafeteria. Like, I just, I'm so stupid. I'm going to kill myself. It's so stupid. <laughs> my friend Jono comes over to me, and he's like, Ray, oh, my God. There's this article floating around the campus, and I keep trying to grab one before it disappears so I can show it to you, because, first of all, it's hilarious. But also, there's a sentence in there that's, like, four lines long, but still grammatically accurate. It's not even a run-on. And I feel like you'd really appreciate that. And I'm like... <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, sounds like whoever wrote that must be like super smart and hot and not having any problems at all adapting her hair to its first exposure to humidity. <laughs> and my friend Melissa is like, well, that's the thing is nobody has any idea who's writing it. It's just signed yours truly. And all of lunch, everyone was speculating. Who could it be laughing at the jokes? They're like, maybe yours truly is like something you could like rearrange the letters and it would be the person's name. Or maybe it's like they have the same initials. I'm like, ooh, well, that'd be good. There's only so many first names that start with Y, and so in a school of 600 students, we'd crack this in no time. <laughs> and this bitch having been someone only I knew about my entire life, hearing other people talk about her, and so flatteringly, might I add, <laughs> was fucking intoxicating. 
The next day at lunch, this girl Rebecca did as close to a run as you can do in like ankle length denim dress without tripping on your own braid. So, so she was like, Ray, oh my God, they found us out. We're gonna be in so much trouble. Because my friends and I had shown her what the Macarena was a few weeks before. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you poor psycho, what unexpected collateral damage. I swear to God, I am almost completely certain she turned herself in for that. She was afraid she wouldn't be able to come a pastor. <laughs> the day after that, my roommate brought her friend Jacob to our lunch table, and turns out Jacob had a work study in the student life office. He was telling us how they had pulled him off all his projects he was working on. His only job was to figure out who was doing this. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Yours truly, who could it be? <laughs> and so this was like the new rhythm of things. Anytime I had a spare minute, I was doing a drop someplace. And then every day at lunch, I'd hear Jacob's way more complicated than the reality of what was going on theories <laughs> and try to throw him off. <laughs> One day everyone was talking about speculating whether they think it's a girl or a boy. And I was like, yeah, I knew this was going to be an issue because, as I mentioned, this was a heavily gender-segregated campus. And I was like, it's going to be pretty obviously a girl soon if I don't get something into a boy's area. And so that night for the few hours leading up to bedtime, I was making increasing comments about a false nausea so that it wouldn't be so suspicious to my roommate when I was getting up in the middle of the night. And um, probably more detail than I needed, but I mean, <laughs> so fun. So in the middle of the night, I got this stack of these, and I'm trying to find any way to get into the boys' dorms, and of course they're all fucking locked like Fort Knox. Like, that's the point of gender segregated. Like, when, when else would you be trying to sneak have sex with someone if not the middle of the night? So, um, didn't work. I'm not an amazing pick lock or anything. And so <laughs> I was like, all right, well, as long as, basically I'll just make it impossible to differentiate. Cause you know, there was uh, co-ed hallways, you know, that you could walk down, anyone could walk down those that led to all the locked doors. And so I just slid a stack under each one in exactly the same way, men's and women's dormitory areas. Could have been anybody, perfect crime. Um, but it'd been about two weeks by this point and I was feeling like we needed some fresh material. Um, plus, I was still pretty fucking miffed how hard they were working to shut this dumb joke down. It's not even that good. Like, it's, it's not at all the best thing I've ever written in my life. <laughs> so, I uh, let yours truly go ahead and write a follow-up. Notice. Subheading. Campus-wide restriction of reading materials effective immediately. As an urgent matter of public safety, non-physical, <laughs> the administration is placing a censorship mandate on information consumption effective immediately. It has come to our attention that certain opinions have been circulating our halls of silent reflection and causing all manner of psychological suffering to otherwise peaceable states of mind by way of actual reflection. <laughs> this will not be tolerated. As the gospel was designed to thrive in a vacuum, we ask that moving forward you please disregard all words in print or otherwise until further notice. 
While we are aware of the inclination to assume that if Christianity is in fact the secret to understanding the universe, then to seek truth and knowledge anywhere must be to draw closer to God. We're also aware of the inevitable degeneration of faith which accompanies exposure to any information at all that comes from outside of the Bible. And also some information inside the Bible. Please refer to previous notice. But do not read it. Together in blessing and the turning of blind eyes, yours truly. This one, this was going to be yours truly's magnum opus. It was going to be the biggest drop yet. My plan was to do it in chapel because everyone had to be there. And for a while, I was theorizing about I could build some kind of mechanism so it would dump from the balcony. (laughs) And I was like, I'm barely a good writer. I'm definitely not an engineer. That one's too hard. I got to get him in the seats somewhere, Oprah style. Um, And so the last two Wednesdays, I'd been casing the chapel on Wednesdays, trying to figure out what time does the worship team get there for sound check? Is there a gap between them finishing and people getting there where the sanctuary is both unlocked and empty? About how much time do I need? How long does it take to sit one paper per seat? And about how many seats are in there? Probably takes a little bit longer each if I do it neatly, which is better option because it'll draw a lot less attention before people get a chance to read them because they might think that it's like, you know, a leaflet that's associated with the sermon coming up and that's the better choice, which now that I think of it, maybe that's the best ruse of all. I can just walk right in with a stack, pretend someone sent me to lay these out. I don't even have to wait for it to be empty, but then there's no way to protect the identity of yours truly. This was my life now. So... The night before this chapel service, I'm in like a common area lobby with some friends playing Uno and losing terribly because I'm not even paying attention at all. I'm just thinking, is this plan still half-baked? I want to do it perfect. Maybe I should wait till next week, but a week would be the longest gap between drops yours truly has ever done, and the people need her. And (laughs) our student body president, Philip, came up and sat down next to me, and he was like, hey, Ray, you want to... Um, step outside and talk and I was like playing a game now rude much and uh, he leaned in and he was like Ray I know it's you so I was following him outside I was like I'm not going down without a fight see I know my rights (laughs) I didn't say anything that wasn't true plus the people are loving it (laughs) but of course since this is my real life and not a CW TV show he was like disarmingly nice and reasonable about it (laughs) So we sit down on this park bench, and I'm like, so, how'd you figure out it was me? And he's like, well, um, I, I saw you on a security camera trying to get into the boys' dorms at 4 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, well played. <laughs> Pretty hard to miss the only person in the hallway on the shot. <laughs> he was like, Right, you're like begging to get in trouble here. I mean, everybody knows it's stupid. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, pointing it out and stuff, it's like super important. (laughs) He was like, where are you even finding the time to do this stuff? And I was like, oh, well, I haven't slept or done homework in two weeks and I've been wearing this bathing suit as underwear for at least five days because I used 100% of my laundry quarters on photocopies. (laughs) Couldn't put them at home. My roommate would notice. And when I heard it all out loud, no, that's not it at all as badass as I'd been feeling all this time. 
like it really struck me. I was like, this doesn't sound like the behavior of a healthy or happy individual. <laughs> and yet these last two weeks, it was like the best I'd felt in my whole life. Like I'd never felt this good. And he was like, Ray, the administration's afraid this is a cry for help, like you're gonna shoot out the school or something. Like, I talked them down to let me talk to you first, but like they're talking about how many mandatory counseling sessions you should have to do if you wanna be allowed to stay at this school and participate in this community. And it, it hit me for the first time. I was like, oh, I don't wanna stay at this fucking school. I hate participating in this community. I've hated it my whole fucking life. Like, I don't know why it never even occurred to me before I was so busy trying to choke it out. This, this dumb bitch, I mean, that's just me, I'm just a bitch. Like, <laughs> that's not this like small secret thing that I can like shove away and that's why it's not working, it's my actual personality. I'm not the Hulk, I'm Superman. My full-time job is faking it. And this, this like obnoxiously subversive and combative person who always wants to like test the reasoning behind everything. That's not dangerous. That's my watcher at the gates. That's what protects me or tried to protect me from tumbling through my life blind without thinking about anything. I fucking love this person. It's the most I've ever liked myself in my whole life. And I feel like I want to go somewhere I can do that full time. So I was like, yeah, I, I'm exhausted, like deranged exhausted, obviously, so you can tell them it's over, they don't have to worry about anything. Um, I'm just gonna finish the semester quietly and go on my way. So until tonight, actually, nobody had heard the second notice except my roommate when I told her I was leaving the school. And she was fucking pissed I hadn't told her. She's like, I was on the top bunk above you on the phone with Jacob theorizing about you all the time. And I was like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> I can't describe, it sounds like such a small thing, I can't describe like the sublime satisfaction of looking at what's the worst, most fearful part of yourself and saying, I accept you. Which if anything at this stage of my life is now how I remember my Christian self as a child. That's the shameful secret I sometimes try to hide for people is how deep I used to be in that. Which I guess requires its own acceptance. But I guess that means that tonight, all you lovely people have heard all of my dirty secrets at the same time. So thank you for hearing my confession. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Robert Rutherford, Scott Carney, and Jesse Witten. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theater Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. I'd also like to thank Tanks, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. As always, a huge shout-out to fans just like you who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. For more information about our storytellers or the narrators, visit thenarrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>